0: Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. It's spring, y'all. Yeah. It's uh, the time we start thinking about our yards, like young and old start thinking about going outside after we've been all cooped up all winter long, right? And now there are yards that need to be manicured and yards that need to be uh, explored and played in, right? So Yeah, this is the best time of year, 63 degree weather with no wind in Oklahoma. It's a miracle, right? It's the best time of year. And we start thinking about yards and outside and all that stuff. You know what this season does? It reveals everybody that's here that is blessed with a green thumb. And it also reveals those of us that are more like me that have a brown thumb. I don't know if you've looked that up, but a brown thumb are those people that everything they plant dies. That's me. I I had to wait until day before yesterday to buy these plants because I knew that with my brown thumb, it would take a matter of moments, and they would be dead as a doornail, right? So, so we we start thinking about stuff like that. There are plants that need to be tended, especially right now after the uh, the cold snap that we endured. Anybody else's plants struggling right now? And and so it's that time of year. It's the time we start thinking about gardens. Spring causes us to think about our gardens. At least for some of us. And if if the warm weather doesn't turn our attention to gardens, then Easter certainly does. There are two, just for a few moments, there are two specific gardens that I want to draw your attention to. There are two gardens found in Scripture that I want us to look at for just a few moments. And see if we can't uh, hear the message of Easter through what takes place In these gardens. The first garden is described in Genesis. It's Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the one of them must had steak hanging off of it, but that's a different story. In, In in the middle of the garden, there was the the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. So even if you have very little Bible knowledge, maybe you walked in this morning and you just, you never got to attend Sunday school, you never, never had the pleasure of uh, being taught with a flannel graph, anybody, okay, uh, overhead transparencies, uh, I'm, just, I'm coming, or, or digital screens, doesn't matter. Maybe you never had that happen in your life and you don't even know that much about the Bible. The truth is you probably know a lot about the Garden of Eden. You know that the Garden of Eden was a place where there, it was perfect. There was no pain. There was no turmoil. There was no tears. There, were no, there was no lack. There, there was, it, it was utopia. It was heaven on earth. You also probably know that the Garden of Eden was the meeting place. It was where Bible, if you continue to read the account, you learn that that in the Bible it teaches us that God would show up in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the evening. And he would walk and talk and fellowship with Adam and Eve. You probably know that. There's a second garden that appears in Scripture, but now this garden shows up about 4,000 years later. This garden isn't quite as pristine. It's not uh, quite uh, as, as pleasing to the eye necessarily as the Garden of Eden would be. It certainly wasn't perfect. There is pain in this garden. There were tears in this garden, perhaps even fears in this garden, but it was still a garden that was visited by God. This garden is described and can be found in Mark chapter 14 beginning in verse 32. It says this, it says, Then Jesus led his disciples to an orchard or a garden called the oil press, literally the garden of Gethsemane. He told them, sit here while I pray a while. And he took Peter and James and John with him and an intense feeling of great horror plunged his soul into deep sorrow. And he said to them, my heart is overwhelmed with anguish and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he walked a short distance away and he, being, being overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, he would not have to experience this hour of suffering. He prayed, Abba, my Father, all things are possible for you. Please remove this cup of suffering. Yet... What I want is not important for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Luke uh, comes along later and he gives us a little even uh, greater insight, if you will, into the pain that was uh, exhibited in, the, in this garden. When Jesus finds his people, his disciples sleeping, when he needed them to be praying, it says that he admonishes them. And then it says this in Luke chapter 22, verses 42 through 45. Then he withdrew from them a short distance to be alone. And kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of agony away from me. But no matter, your will must be done, not mine. Jesus called. For an angel of glory to strengthen him, and the angel appeared, and he prayed even more passionately, like one being sacrificed, until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. Two gardens. There is a glaring similarity between these gardens. I want you to notice, if you will, that, uh, that both gardens focus on a tree. Uh, both gardens are similar in that way. There's another similarity. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the similarities this morning, but I want you to notice this similarity. In the first garden, around this tree, uh, around a tree, the enemy gets man to, you know, the enemy shows up in the form of a snake. The enemy gets man to throw away our relationship with God. It's in the second garden where Jesus is focused on his appointment with a tree that the enemy tries to get God to throw away his relationship with man. Think about that just a moment. Two similar attempts, two similar gardens. But but let's let's do this. Let, let's not spend all of our time focusing on the similarities. Let's let's contrast the two gardens because there are some some differences that are uh, very apparent when you begin to look at these gardens. So I want to spend our time doing that. Paul does that in First Corinthians chapter 15. He contrasts these two gardens like this. He says, uh, for since death came through a man, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Christ. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also are all, all who are in Christ will be made alive. So it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, a life life-giving spirit. So Paul is trying to contrast what takes place in these two gardens. Similar, but they have some differences that we need to look at. You you can write them down in your notes. In in the first garden, the first Adam tries to avoid death so that he can live. But in the second garden, the second Adam faces death so that we could live. It's in the first garden that the first Adam fights for his life. But in the second garden, the second Adam fights for our life. He he lays his life down for us. In the first garden, the first Adam fights for his way. But in the second garden, the second Adam fights for the way. If you're a part of Passion, you know that over the last four weeks, we've been examining the eight I am statements in the book of John, and we left two out that I just want to mention this morning. One of them, perhaps one of the boldest claims that Jesus made in his dialogue with his disciples and those that were listening was, would apply right here. When, when John uh, it says this, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus walks into the second garden, and and, and although Adam, the first Adam, fought for his way, Jesus walks in and says, you know what? I'm going to do something different here. I'm going to become the way. That's what the difference is. In the first garden, the first Adam has himself on his mind. You go back and read the creation account, and you read the encounter that Adam has in that garden, you recognize that Adam only had himself on his mind. He wasn't thinking about anybody but himself. I want to gain some knowledge. I, I want to be like God. I want to be powerful. I want to know the difference between life and death, right and wrong, good and evil. I, I need all this information. He was only concerned about himself. In fact, I'm not even sure that he really cared that much at that moment for Eve, because if he had, if he would have stood up and acted like a man and fought off the enemy but instead he remained silent he only had himself on his mind but in the second garden what we discover is that the second Adam had you on his mind in fact the whole intent in the middle of that garden was this is this is that he was only concerned about providing access to us he wasn't even. In fact, he laid himself down. He forgot about himself. He forgot about the pain that he would have to suffer. He forgot about the the turmoil that he would go through, the separation, and he did that because he didn't just have the, his disciples on his mind, and he didn't just have the Israelites that were living in that present moment on his mind. He had already fast forward to April four, two thousand twenty-one, and he literally had you on his mind when he wins that battle there in that garden. The first first garden was invaded by deception. The second garden was invaded by deliverance. The, The first garden is where relationship was lost, but the second garden is where relationship was restored. Can I just tell you this morning that the cross was really just a culmination of what took place in the second garden? Can can I just let you in on this little bit of information right now that I think, although we turn our attention to what happened on Golgotha's Hill, can I just submit to you that it was in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus died? He actually died to his own will, his own desires. He literally prays, not my will be done, but your will be done. It's the the garden of being pressed out. He lays it all down. His mind was made up at that point forward. There was no hesitation. There was no turning back. There was no second guessing. He had died in that garden when he said, not my will, but your will be done. In fact, if you really get to the bottom line of the biblical accounts of these two gardens, what you discover is that these two gardens are ultimately about the choices that were made in each garden. This is what I need to share with you this morning. Now we are faced with choices. There were choices made in those two gardens. Now we, this morning, have a responsibility to make a choice. We must make this choice. Which one of these gardens will be our account? Everything leads back to these two gardens and the choices that you have to make. Everything leads back to these two trees. We, we come to this point. This is the decision moment that we must make. The, the, the tree of self-will or the tree that's called a cross. That's where the decision has to be made. Oh, by the way, just so you don't think I don't know my Bible, there is a third garden. It's the garden that Easter focuses on. It's the garden where there's a tomb and a stone and and three days of misery and three days of question and three days of uncertainty, three days of mourning, and and it's it's the garden that we focus on on Easter, where on that third day on Sunday morning the roll the stone is rolled away, the angels rejoice, the disciples come and discover there is a third garden. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. Don't miss the day. This isn't about Easter bunnies. This is about the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. So there is a third garden but may I submit to you this morning that that it is absolutely essential that we recognize that the empty tomb cannot be a reality and it cannot be our experience if we first don't decide which tree we will visit you cannot bypass the second garden The only way to get to the third garden is to follow Christ's example in the second garden and lay our will down. We must die with Christ. Paul says it like this in Colossians chapter 2 verse 20. He's declaring that we have to come to this conclusion. It is a second garden conclusion. He says it like this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Another version maybe helps us a little bit. It says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me dispensing his life into mine. Second garden conclusion. Although Easter is certainly about life and resurrection, this can be, there can be no resurrection if there is not first death. We must nail our wheels. We must nail our own righteousness, our own good, our own ability to get to God, our own schemes, our own plans, our own desires. We have to come to the place in the second garden where we're willing to lay all of that down and say, not your will be done, but your will be done, not my will be done. Not my way, but your way. It's a second garden. That's where Jesus lets us know in another I am statement when he said this. He says, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. He he is literally teaching us that he is the only way to relationship with the Father. He's the only way to experience this resurrection that we talk about so much around Easter. You can talk about resurrection and still be dead. You can know about resurrection and still be dead. You can read about resurrection and still be dead. But when you experience and come to the conclusion that Jesus came to in the second garden, now you can literally experience resurrection and life as we lay our life down at the foot of his cross and we make him Lord. Today as much as I want you to visit the third garden, I must first invite you to come into the second garden and embrace the death that takes place there. It is the passageway. It is the door. It it, it is the entry. It's the price of admission, if you will. I recognize that salvation is free, but there is a price. I recognize that in in your own abilities, you can't get there, but there was a price paid. And we must embrace that price. It is the price of an admission to get to the empty tomb and real life. I just need you to know something this morning. Can I just, we sang about testimony. Can I just testify just for a moment this morning? Can I tell you that I've been to both gardens? Can I, can I tell you that, that I had to come to this place that your, your pastor with all of his brown thumb intact, I, I, I've been to two gardens. I, 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 I've been there. I, I, I've walked into the garden. It happened for me on August the 28th, 1974. As a six-year-old little boy, in the Anadarko Pentecostal Holiness Church, which you could fit in here twice, with one of those uh, those heaters that uh, you back up to to stay warm, it was the only source of heat in the old church. The whole church, hard wooden pews, harder altars. And as a six-year-old little boy, I was wrestling with Garden Number One, my will or his will. But all of a sudden. I don't even remember what the preacher said. I know who said it. John Palasano said it. He was my pastor. But all I know is at that moment, the Holy Spirit was talking to me and he was convincing me of my own need for a Savior. And as a six-year-old little boy, I made a visit to a second garden. And I walked into that second garden and as good as I could as a little six-year-old, I submitted my will and my life, my way, my good, my righteousness, I laid it all down at a cross. What I want you to understand is that now I understand what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14 when he said, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I died. I literally died on August the 28th, 1974. But as soon as I walked through the second garden, Lo and behold, third garden. Because now I'm resurrected in him. It's no longer I live, I that lives, it's he that lives in me. And each of us is forced to exit the first garden and determine whether or not we're willing to go to the second garden. Our life or his. Our will or his. It's about the choices made in the gardens. We must decide which tree whether we will make an attempt on our own or we will trust in the, the attempt and the ability of the one who won the war in the second garden. If you've already visited the second garden then you know what I'm talking about the reason that your mouth is filled with praise, the reason you look forward to Easter, the reason that you celebrate, the reason that your heart is filled with a song and your feet feel like dancing on Easter Sunday morning is simply because you've been to the second garden. And as painful as it was and as difficult as it may have been to lay your will down, you recognize that on the outside of that second garden is a pathway to the third garden and you've experienced the resurrection and the life of Jesus that he's given you now that you died. So if that's you this morning that has done that, then you know that the third garden is the best life. It's the only way. You will never find a better life. Some of y'all in here looking for a better life. You will never find a better life until you experience the third garden. If you haven't visited the second garden, then can I just submit to you this morning that today's your day. I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. We've been praying for you. By name, you've been set up. We've been praying that when you showed up at Passion Church, you would walk into the second garden and make the decision to lay your life down so that you can experience not only new life, but eternal life. Scripture says it like this, that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow. Not next week. Not at Christmas. Not next Easter. Now, the reason that God had you come to service this morning in the building or watching online is for one reason and one reason only. Because this is the day that he intends for you to visit the second garden and lay your life down. Not so that he can hurt you, but so that he can help you. So that he can provide for you the third garden experience. Scripture makes it clear. How do you get to the third garden? Very simply. You walk into a second garden and you acknowledge I'm a sinner. I cannot get to God on my own. I have no ability on my own. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be righteous enough. I'll never be holy enough. You walk into the second garden and you acknowledge that you're a sinner. But then you do this. You also acknowledge that the Father loved us so much that He sent His Son so that whoever believes on Him should not perish but would have everlasting life so I acknowledge that I'm a sinner but I also recognize there's a Savior and that He paid a debt that that He didn't know He paid it all and so I acknowledge that He's Savior and I do this I make Him the Lord of my life and I testify to that fact I confess with my mouth I simply testify with my life I simply testify with my words I testify with my actions that Jesus is alive in me and in that moment Third garden. New life. I'm going to pray over you this morning and I'm going to, I know Pastor Andrew's already given a salvation call, but I want to pray again. I want to make sure we're right. While I'm praying, I want you to grab the nail that was placed in your chair real quickly. Would you just grab that nail? Would you just grab that nail real quick? I'll tell you why here in just a moment. But we just hold that nail while while we pray. I want you to to focus on the sacrifice that Jesus made. We could never, listen, we would never be able to get to resurrection if it hadn't been for what Jesus did. The price he paid. I don't want us to ever think that we that we worked our way to this. We served our way to this. We churched our way to this. No, 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 no. Jesus and Jesus alone did this for us. So Father, I pray over this congregation today, those sitting in the building, those watching online that in this moment, you would remind us that we have choices to make. I pray in this moment, right now, you would remind us that we have a decision to make. We, we are either in the first garden or in the second garden. There's no in between. There are individuals in this room that are, that, that, that's, are in the first garden and, and they're, in, they're, they're experiencing broken relationship. I pray that you would move us into the second garden this morning and help us to make the decision to lay our life down. We acknowledge that we're sinners. Everyone here, Father, we recognize that we all fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We acknowledge that this morning. There's nothing about us that's righteous or holy. But we also acknowledge that Jesus, you paid it all. That you came and that you died on a cross. You died on my cross. In that second garden, you had me on your mind. You made provision. You made a way for me. And I focus on that sacrifice, and I acknowledge you as the Savior of my life. And I praise you for what you've done and I ask you to come into my life come into my heart take my will I pray the same prayer that you prayed in that garden where you experienced such great pain that you bled sweat drops that were like blood that were blood it was so painful I pray this prayer not my will but Father your will be done I submit my life to you today in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. Would you take your nail? Would you stand with me real quickly? If you're here this morning and you walked in as a, as a third garden person, you'd already experienced the saving grace of Jesus, then this nail is a testimony. It's simply a, a reminder, a testimony of all that God has brought you through and the fact that you're, you're you, you died, maybe years ago you died, but you're dead, but you're alive. It's just your testimony. If you walked in this morning and you didn't know Jesus and this is your day, this is a day that you've experienced Him, that you've laid your will down and you're asking Him to become your Lord and Savior, then this also is a testimony that this is a new day. And when you take this nail and do what we're going to do with it, it's, it's your statement at that moment that I no longer live. I'm dying with Christ on the cross so that I can walk out of this building and experience the new life, the resurrected life of Jesus.